0: listening to the Wharton Alumni Executive Education Podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to the Wharton Alumni Executive Education Podcast. I am your host, Alex Gromadsky, and today I'm going to be interviewing Irvin Sloan, who's the CEO and co-founder of Navigating Great, which is a company that helps other companies navigate uh, social impact and sustainability and find out what their companies can do in those areas. So thank you for being on today. Thank
1: you for having me, Alex.
0: Yeah. So I see that you just started this company, um, which is really exciting and always a journey. What made you uh, start the company?
1: You know, I recently finished my program there at Wharton
0: in December of last year.
1: I kind of had some some thoughts of always about starting my own firm. Uh, I've been in this space of energy and social impact and, and sustainability for some period of time. And I said, hey, might as well get some use out of that Wharton education and start your own firm. And so I actually let a few of my, my uh, classmates lo- uh, know my last class that I was there at Wharton and decided to uh, let's just do it now or never. So I started the firm uh, alongside my oldest daughter right here in January of 2023.
0: That's amazing. So you started a company along with your daughter. That's really cool. Yeah, I think it's very
1: important If you talk about, you know, what we'll put on earth to do is to create impact. And uh, yeah, I've created impact for companies for many, many corporations in the last twenty plus years. And I said it's time to kind of uh, spend some time more focusing on my kids. Uh, my, my daughter; she's in this this arena trying to create impact. And so I said, hey, let's let's let team up. Let's do it. So, what is it that
0: your company does?
1: So again, we're a consulting company. Uh, we help we help com- uh, companies understand their we call their stakeholder ecosystem. Uh, most companies, when they look at sustainability and social impact, they're looking at one specific slice or one specific aspect of it. We look at it from ecosystem perspective. We've got some analytical and some software tools to help them make better decisions on where they pro- should prioritize their time. I would say the sole sustainability and social impact space is one where it's kind of chicken or the egg. There's a lot of people interested in the ESG and sustainability but uh, there's a lot of hesitation on making large investments in this space because they don't know where it's going. It's kind of a gray area. And so we like to kind of illuminate areas that are, uh, some of those people aren't looking at, and we try to make sure that those gray areas turn into black and white science. Yeah.
0: So that's where the name for the company Navigating Gray came from, I assume. It's exactly right. I've,
1: I've, I've my entire have kind of floated in these odd spaces uh, my background is engineering, and I'm also an economist, and I'm also a, a quasi-legal professional. I've kind of floated in these these odd positions, and uh, I always say, you know, people are really comfortable working in black and white spaces where things are kind of laid out for them. But uh, when you get people, you get in spaces where things are a little bit gray, people have a tendency to shy away from them. That's where I
0: excel. So, what's a little bit about your work history that you can dive into that made you, you know, want to become a consultant in the specific space? And uh, product founder fit, so to speak, is very important. And um, be great to hear a little about your story that made you have the courage to start a company on your own. Well,
1: honestly, yeah, uh, you know, I just kind of share a little bit. I started my career out as an engineer. so I've always been kind of a problem solver. Uh, from from being a problem solver, I actually, you know, I couldn't find a, a engineering job that they really, uh, I get really enthusiastic about. And so I actually got into sales, believe it or not. I went from engineering into sales uh, because I felt like sales is an opportunity where you can create and you can kind of talk to customers. You can figure out what their needs are. And so I've always been in the back of my head a problem solver. I've always been someone who likes to get out in front of folks and solve, solve challenges. Um, and then mid- midway in my career, I actually got exposed to the agricultural industry. Uh I was working for a company out of Switzerland and they asked me you know, to manage their biggest account, which was John Deere. I had no experience in the agriculture industry. However, I said, hey, it's a challenge. And so I ended up going back to school for a while, learning a little bit about agriculture, kind of doing some some previous significant things there uh with John Deere. Uh and then I had another transition happen to me where uh, I got uh, called from another company and they wanted me to to lead their team uh who's managing their biggest energy account. And I said, I don't know much about energy. However, uh, I, I probably could figure it out. on a problem solver, and so, long story short, I went to law school to learn a little bit about uh, utility regulation and, and contracts and, and, and legal, uh, you know, legal terminology. And uh, I did the same thing. I actually, you know, started working my way into the energy industry, and so. Uh, the, the kind of the prepotence of navigating gray has been, you know, these, the, these, these huge transitions that are going on in the energy space. You hear a lot about clean energy. You have a lot of transitions going on in, um, you know, the agricultural space, terms sustainable agriculture and, and organics and you hear about all this stuff. Ah, uh, they're very great spaces, and I feel like I'm well suited throughout my career to step into areas where they're going through transitions, and that's what I've done my entire career: is go through, go through these these you know monumental uh, transitions, and I've been able to kind of make a, a name for myself in those in those markets. So, timing was right.
0: So you went from agriculture to energy, and I can see how. Um, ESG plays a part in those specifically in in energy when I think of oil and gas companies and coal companies being um, crucified so to speak for for emissions and same with agriculture as you mentioned or organic and, and pesticides uh, on that side things are things that come to my mind but what does ESG really mean to you?
1: Um, ESG again, it, ESG itself uh, the terminology comes more from an investor relations standpoint. When you hear about ESG, most companies are looking at it from, you know, what their uh, large investments are, are uh, saying and what their their large investments are, are dealing with. When I look at ESG, I look at it from an uh, ecosystem perspective. I look at it from, okay, what does ESG mean to communities? Quite frankly, most communities, if you go to ask a lot of folks what ESG means, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to tell you uh, because that's not a term that they use in normal community speak. Uh, if you go talk to governments, uh, some governments do not understand what ESG is because they've heard the buzzword. So most people really uh, have only only identified from kind of this high level view. They've never really dug down into it. They really don't understand the work that it takes to implement very uh, fair and, and, and environmentally social uh, responsible practices and, and products. Uh, they just really haven't done the work in it. And so um, for me, ESG means there's you know there's this ecosystem. It's all working together, trying to you know, create environmentally and social uh, um, solutions. And there's just governments that kind of surrounds the whole the whole concept. It's kind of guiding things, guiding things in the right direction. And granted, because all this stuff is in a transition in our state, for a lot of the guidance and regulations aren't there. Uh, and that's where a lot of the greatness comes, because people are trying to find, you know, what does this mean or what this regulation says? And it's a lot of ambiguity in it. And that's where we kind of come into play
0: okay and um, so what about it makes it gray though uh, or why is it not black and white as as some other things is it because it's still early on in its infancy
1: i would say uh i think you're right i think it, a lot of it's it's early on in infancy i think esg sustainability if you think about it the buzzword they've been around for a while um, but i'm not so certain that people have really put the, the resources and in those uh, those fields until most recently i would say over the last few years people are trying to kind of uh understand uh where the economic value creation is i think that's where the, the challenge being a lot of people think that esg is just a feel good thing there's no economic value uh, developed in it. and as a wharton alumni uh you, you learn a lot about economic value creation and that's what we what we try to do we try to identify areas where there's true economic value creation we try to uh to make it black and white uh, and when it's when those economic value benefits aren't black and white, then people don't invest. they really don't put the resource required uh, to make those things really uh, you know you know be as successful as they can. They do a little bit, but in most parts, you know people are still trying to understand where this thing's going, what's the economic uh, benefits for for these uh, esG type topics. You know.
0: So what are some of the economic benefits that you've been able to create within companies or what's one of the most unique things that you've been able to work on where the company really realized on the benefits and the value of of ESG?
1: I think one of the biggest things, uh, you know, ESG from a social standpoint is creation of jobs. Uh, Oftentimes when uh, you look at some of these communities that have been, you know, adversely affected by climate change or by environmental things that are in their neighborhoods. Uh, they're really looking for jobs as a, a potential solution. Uh, all the time we have companies who will who donate funds and, and do things in the community, such as cleanup activities and those kinds of things. Those are great. But truthfully, in, o- in order to create real sustainable development, you've got to create some jobs. It's some, some type of economic value that's created in those communities. And so I've actually worked on programs and projects where we've actually created jobs, created you know opportunities for those communities to grow, to benefit, uh, to clean themselves up, and more importantly, I think uh, when you think about ESG, some people will look at it from a almost like a charity perspective. Uh, well, most people in most communities, they want to earn their keep. They want to actually be involved in the process. They don't want to just be handed stuff. They want to be able to work and, and, and feel good about it. And so we actually you know, develop opportunities where we, we partner with communities where communities can, are part of the solution. There's job creation. The people are actually feeling empowered uh they're actually brought into the process as opposed to just simply giving them stuff yeah
0: yeah i heard recently and a few times that you know when you give somebody something for free it's charity which doesn't have the same level of dignity as when you hire them to do something and they get to actually earn it and there's much higher buy-in if there's dignity involved as well absolutely i would agree 100 i mean for me myself um i look at
1: uh you know it all all comes out of time commitment one thing that uh, I've learned, I've got three three daughters, and uh, every year for Christmas, uh, I end up giving my kids a gift card. And I like to, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of a, uh, you know, I didn't put the time in, and I, I didn't know what to get them, and so I go get them this gift card. Whereas my wife, on the hand, you know, she'll buy them something for, let's call it $25, some, you know, some nominal amount, and it'll make their day. It'll be something small. And I've come to realize that the money itself doesn't create the value, right? It's actually the time you put in and, and the, the time you invested in those folks. Uh, that's really where the value is. So I've learned throughout my my, career, my 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 you know personal life that I've got to put the time in equally with my kids and my family that I do on the job because, you know, they're the kind of biggest stakeholder for me.
0: That's a good point because the gift card is really just another store of value until that value is realized. Um, they really haven't experienced that that gift or satisfaction that's supposed to come come from giving. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned that you know you were in engineering and you were in law school. What's something that you had to get incredibly good at, or what's something that you had to master in your career to be able to to take on this path? Uh,
1: I would say being nimble uh i've had to be extremely flexible um in all the, the roles i've had in my career um i've had to to continue to pursue education uh, i know that a lot of people you know it's cliche the education is the, is the key i totally believe it uh, i think education uh, creates networks part of the reason i went to to Wharton to was for the Wharton network uh in addition to the to the education so you know ten years ago i didn't understand the value of a network i didn't understand you know how to network. I didn't understand how to uh, to put myself out there and, and and be unafraid to to make mistakes and to meet different types of people. I didn't know that ten years ago. Now I'm a lot more comfortable kind of putting myself in environments where, you know, you just don't see people like me. Great example in 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 agriculture, you don't see you don't see a whole lot of you know African American guys in their floor. You just don't see it. Um, but I've learned to kind of deal with that that of uh, you know, just putting yourself out there, and great things happen since I've done that. Right? Uh, same thing when I got into energy space. Uh, where a whole lot of people looked like like me, I put myself out there, learned the learned the, the industry, and, and the rest is history. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And how do you get people to buy into or invest into um, some of the things that you're taking on on the ESG space? Because as you mentioned, you know, creating jobs is an important part of it, but I have a company and um, how do you get somebody to just say well isn't this just an added expense like how does the company really benefit uh from it and and how tied do the jobs I guess have to be to what the company is doing in order to create value?
1: Yeah, oh, good point I think that you know as as a company they've got customers and many of their customers are asking for this as well. I mean, if you look at the Fortune 100, Fortune 500. they all got ESG goals, every single one of them. They're very similar. Uh, they want to create impact communities. But cus- companies are made of, of people. And the trends are showing that the people want to create impact. People are leaving companies specifically because they don't feel like they're making an the impact. And that's something that most companies have been very passive about. You know, great example. So a lot of companies will say, hey, we'll offer you, uh, you know, 16 hours a year volunteer time, right? Or, you know, you can join this uh, ERG, this employee resource group, or whatever they, these are kind of examples of, right? So people are very passive about it, but we're trying to promote is being more proactive about it and actually being more active and engaged uh, in in the economic, in the the development of, of social impact as opposed to being, a little bit more passive about it. And we find that when you're more active uh, in these spaces, your pl- employees recognize, hey, I'm working for a really cool company. That's what people really want to do. People want to work with other cool people. People want to work and make an impact. It's great that they make money, uh, but they still want to make an impact. And I think the next generation of, of employees, including my daughters, will tell you money isn't the driving factor. You know, I, I, my mold recently here. She got her first job and she wanted to work at a cookie, a cookie place. And I said, we're well, going to make it like 8 $9 an hour. Why don't you go work for Chick-fil-A or something and you make 15? And she said, no, dad, uh, I want to work with my friends. And that, that's different than how I grew up. When I was growing up, I actually wanted to make the most money that I could. I said, hey, I'm 15. I want to make money. I want to be able to go to movies. I want to do all these great things uh but that's not the same motivator for the next generation next generation looking for being doing things more impactful they're looking for working with cool people and building cool things
0: so that really ties into the culture conversation of how important it is to have a good company culture
1: absolutely uh you know again i've worked with probably uh, almost a dozen companies in my career um you see it over and over again people wanting to I work for companies that are making the impact. And, and for a while, those are all the tech companies, right? A lot of people wanted to run to, to Silicon Valley and work for the tech companies. But I'm finding there's a lot of great companies uh, all over the United States. And rural America specifically, again, my time I got to spend uh, at working w- with our client, John Deere. Uh, John Deere is an amazing company. And most people are going to understand uh, the impact they're making in the communities. Uh, just their 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 culture is amazing. But again there's companies out there doing it but you only hear about you know some of the the the, the more prevalent ones some of the tech companies and some of these other companies out there but uh, I'm a firm believer that our culture is gonna is gonna keep employees employed at a grade
0: so let's just hypothetically say if I'm CEO of Apple and I'm making iPhones is it make sense though for me to you know hire people at a soup kitchen and and say well you know we're making an impact we're helping homeless people with 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 feeding them and providing the employees for that, like going back to a little bit, my question, how relatable or how tied to what your company's core products are, do these ESG initiatives have to be um, that you've seen um, in, in your experience? So
1: it goes back to, again, um, I love the analogy <laughs> of like I don't uh, hear from the
0: soup kitchen, I, that's a
1: complete, the opposite polar, that's the opposite side of the spectrum. That's what companies do today. Is, is, they, is they they look at, call it these low-hanging fruit opportunities, ones that really aren't tied to their business, right? Soup kitchens have nothing to do with Apple, right? Um, I, my, our our model is let's let's talk about your business and let's make sure that you're hiring people that are going to make an impact in your business. One of the things that I've learned in my career and I used to uh, lead a uh, employee research group and one of the, 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 the members of the group said, Irvin, I want to do projects that are relatable to what I do today so let's say this was an engineer and he was a a utility engineer he said I want to do something energy related in my community I don't want to do you know picking up doing doing uh you know cleaning up cleaning up uh schools that's not relatable to me I want to do things that that I'm passionate about and, and are also impacting for my community so I said well why don't we maybe think about building a solar a solar uh you know, solar garden or, or some type of solar type, uh, small solar uh, s- uh, site for this, uh, for your schools lo- locally, that had more value because it was actually part of their business. It was actually part of what they did. Again, most companies look at it from perspective. We're going to do this other thing that isn't necessarily tied to our business, but that's really where the value creation happens that's where you really create economic value because you're spending time and resources on things that are going to generate value for your company as opposed to spending time and resources on things that aren't going to gener- generate the economic value for your company.
0: And that's why, I guess, like you said at the beginning, you look at the whole ecosystem, you look at everyone's involved, every stakeholder, so to speak, and then um, you see, okay, who's doing what and how can we play a more active role in those areas that are already being impacted by what we're doing already? part of what we're doing and see if we can add or contribute additional value in those areas or, or or create some sort of meaning that people can participate in and enhance our I guess our footprint in those areas is that kind of the thought process
1: absolutely I mean everything's kind of tied together okay. um, you know just from an economic standpoint you learned that you know things that we make in the U.S. has got an effect on Brazil things that got an effect, you know are making in Brazil got effects on Mexico it's all tied to one another so when you look at things from ecosystem ecosystem perspective, you can find areas where you can create tremendous amounts of economic impact. Uh, But you've got to look at it more broadly. You can't look at it from these very uh, narrow-sided silos.
0: There was an interesting marketing campaign that somebody did directly targeting Jeff Bezos, and it was about essentially how many cardboard boxes Amazon used, and they wanted him to buy a part of the, like, Amazon rainforest or something like that. So the that a little bit seems come to mind to me. You know, if you're an Amazon type business, maybe you go and you do something in a rainforest, something where you're preserving trees and and um, and and cardboard, or you invest more into recycling plants. And and now that we've talked about this a little bit, I I think I have a better idea of of what your role will be. It'd be I think in identifying those specific niche areas where the company can actually do something relatable to its business. Is that right or?
1: Yeah, it is, and I think more importantly, uh, you know, ESG and sustainability it's such a it's such a broad field, right? But what you find when you actually break down a lot of the organizations the specific ESG or sustainability or or community relations or in, impact organizations, they're, they're the way they're built. They're built very, you know, everyone is kind of the same. They're they're in from the same backgrounds. so that to truly create innovation you've got to create diverse communities it's just it just is what it is right Uh, i've learned through my career i'm not a i'm not an engineer right i I started my career as an engineer people you know a lot of people try to put me in a box oh you're an engineer no not really uh they say oh you're you you got an MBA, you're a business person No, not really uh then i got you know background economics oh you're an economist no i'm not uh again again they went to law school and so um, I find that when you look at the individual organizations that are leading sustainability and social impact and and relations, diversity all this stuff they're 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 very um you know uh, the skill sets are very similar between the the people and that's that's why it's so difficult to create innovation in those spaces because the people are' not from just from racial or or ethnic diversity but just from my experience they're very narrow in terms of their skill sets yeah
0: So are you trying to find something that everyone in the organization can get behind or really, or I was going to assume that that organization gets behind?
1: No, absolutely. I think, you know, again, most sustainability and social impact organizations uh, they're operating, I call it on the startup budget. They don't have a ton of money. Uh, You know, they usually got a, a handful of people, if that, in many cases, you know, they're picking up where the last person left off where, you know, they got hired on and the last person left. and were trying to make an impact. They got frustrated, they left, right? Uh, and so they are these organizations are really very similar to sales, where they're asking people throughout the company to help the process, to help help through the the to help out on the projects uh, because they don't have the old, the 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 people to do the the types of work that they need to do. And so, you know, my sales background kind of naturally fits into this space where we're selling internally a lot of times for support. And again, the biggest thing that's hindering is getting people and resources around it is economic value. Until CEOs and corporations and other folks see the economic value, they don't see the charity, it will, it will never get the resources it needs, right? It'll just be a buzzword, it'll be something cool to do. But when that once you start showing that you can create economic value, then the light bulb opens. And so that's what we do is we help them work internally to find people, show them how they can create economic value, help them build the teams up where they have now have physical people who can actually do this type of work. Uh, It's it's a whole process of, of internally helping people understand. And one thing we do is we do this process called experiential learning experiential learning means we take people from the business or the company and we put them in experiences where they can see sustainability and social impact you know uh, in action essentially um, most people think they know what it looks like but they never really kind of touched it they never not really experienced it they've heard about it and so what we do is we actually create experiences where you can actually do it and when you actually do something your your level of excitement, your level of enthusiasm, level of support goes up tenfold. But again, it goes back to being passive versus passive versus active. Most companies are looking at it from passive they say, hey you can you got 20 hours a year you can spend it however you want do something cool in community very passive. We say no we're gonna we're gonna activate that we're gonna actually provide opportunities for those those folks to see it and watch how enthusiastic and watch how much more support those type of organizations get.
0: Can you give an experience, uh, an example of an experience that employees went into?
1: Exactly. So one might be, I'm just hypothetically throw one out here is, you know, building a, a community solar garden. So again, you got, you got community solar. I think people maybe have maybe heard of that, where there's this uh, asset that is helping uh, support uh, lowering the bills in certain, certain communities that a lot of times, uh, 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 this, uh, just um, service communities or underrepresented communities. Uh, that's where some of that, that work is done, but, but then there, there might be a, uh, you know, a a local garden as well. So putting those two together, allowing the, you know, people from the organization to see how they can help contribute to that. Again, everyone in the community has something to offer and something to give. And again, the individual business that we're dealing with, a lot of times they are vested in those communities in one way or another. They just, they just may not connecting the dots. They maybe don't know this opportunity exists. They may not know how. To, to do that type of work. We kind of bridge the gap between
0: you know um,
1: what they're working on versus what is, is available in the communities that they can kind
0: of tie into. So if I'm in the music industry, which I am, um, would the idea then be for us to, I'm gonna say hire somebody to run that community garden or would the idea be for our employees themselves to help and run that community garden and therefore they're also doing something within that space?
1: It could, it could be, let's say, uh you know, you said in the in the, uh, the music industry, it could be, you know, maybe even in it, teaching classes there, you know, maybe even offering, you know, I would say what we're trying to do is get folks to, to get away from giving money and giving time, right? Um, you'll see in a lot of, you read a lot of corporate ESG reports, uh, they talked about how much they gave, you know, we gave $10 million. I said, so that's great how much time to give uh that is the most important thing in my opinion that we're trying to shift is if people spend the time there one they'll create the empathy one they'll create the understanding we will actually get better economic value created because people are going to get behind it people are going to say hey i've got an idea of how we can make this even better the more people you bring into the fold the more ideas you generate the more economic economic value you can generate
0: and it's so interesting that you speak in the form of time because i feel like so much more and more people want flexibility they want to work less hours um which to some degree contradicts you know people wanting to volunteer the time but maybe that has to do with they feel like their work doesn't matter um and they want to do something that that has a higher impact um what's your thoughts around people volunteering time and wanting to to volunteer time versus just writing a check
1: um most people are against it uh time writing checks easier Remember, I story about you know, me going to get the car much easier, right? I didn't want to spend the time and get to know all the little things that my, my, my girls liked, uh, you know, throughout the year. I didn't want to do it, right? Um, and I, I have to do, you know, specifically try to spend time trying to focus on that. But I'll say that, you know, the way we staff our organization is a little bit unique. And it goes back to, you know, um, people wanting to do things impactful. So in the sustainability social impact space, there aren't, uh, you know, unlimited people in this space. A lot of the folks are working at other companies. Um, you know, they, they feel a little bit, and sometimes they feel like they're in a in a box. They they want to create this impact, but maybe you know they just they don't they don't see the, the way to do it. And so what we actually do is we use this uh, fractional employment model where we allow people to work in the after hours, and you can actually work for us as a consultant in the evenings. If you think about the marketplace for you know evening type work, is you've got Uber. Uh, maybe you can wait tables. Maybe you can work at an Amazon warehouse. There really aren't many opportunities in the evening. But truth be told, I would say um, there is an incredible market of people who want to do make a little extra money, right? They've got great experiences. They want to make extra money, but there ain't a whole lot of options in the evening. That's where we come in. We allow people to you know to work as consultants for a fractional amount of time. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they, they they come in and say, "Hey, you know, I want to do something impactful." I work this job, I don't really feel like I'm getting a whole lot of impact out of it. Come work for us. We can use your talents your expertise in some of these spaces. And you can work for us as a fractional consultant. And then we have on top of that, we have a uh we call it a bring bring your own, uh bring a friend model. And bring a friend model, it really is about um, you know, when when we hire people, we hire people in pairs. Uh we wanna hire people, we wanna hire this diverse, this diverse group of people. And rather than than put all the onus on the company. We say, Hey, Alex, I want you to, when you, you apply for my, for this job, you must apply alongside another candidate who doesn't look like you, who doesn't speak like you, who's different from you. And the thing is, we believe that the best candidates are the ones that people recommend, right? That's what, that's what, that's that's the number one source of candidates is people say, Hey, do you got any friends who want to work here as well? So we hire in pairs, but the catch is, we put the onus on the actual on the can and say hey you hire with bring a friend with you but the guy it has to be somebody different we don't want two of the same because we feel like when you have these these different ideas that's when you create, create the most value because we have these kind of competing ideas of people from different backgrounds you you come with some pretty creative stuff and that's what is necessary in these spaces they're going through immense amounts of trans transitions such as energy and agriculture you've got to have crazy ideas right ideas that that people haven't thought of that you know it's to, to some markets you know things that that, that it's going on in energy is is trivial to a person who's, who's in industrial automation and say oh we've done that for 10 years but again until you bring people from different backgrounds into the company you'll never get that so we have this this requirement that when you, you you work for us one you got to bring someone else and two we're very flexible we have a fractional fractional employee model that allows people to work evenings in addition to their day job because they're really seeking that social impact so we have an immense amount of people lined up to say hey we want to work because we want to create this impact we're not getting fulfilled at our, our present nine
0: to five that's interesting and um i don't i don't know what that says about me or the other people but but i don't really have that that hole to necessarily fill to feel like i have to provide that extra impact. That being said, my wife and I, uh, you know, we do mentor um, other, other couples and things like that. And and we do uh, write small checks as well from the charity basis. But but I don't really have that, you know, that, that push or that drive um, to go and, you know, do additional ongoing fractional work. Um, we'll do stuff here and there. But by the sounds of it, like there's a big pipeline of people that, that have that that they want to have filled and that takes me to my question is how did you get into this and when did you know this is something that you wanted to pursue
1: uh so the question is how did i get into this sustainability or social impact is that that what the question is um i kind of fell into it um again i was working for a large corporation uh and truthfully i was trying to sell you know i was in in sales role i was trying to, to to sell to one of our biggest customers and I realized that our biggest customer wasn't buying on price. uh they really weren't buying on technology uh they were buying on something different. Uh, and what I had to understand was I really need to understand who their customer was and this in this case, it was a public utility, and the public utility um you know they 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 provide power and service to communities. They provide, you know, uh, you know, um, electricity to the folks, and so their customers are a little bit different, and they have to be more involved in more of a, a, a community uh, appreciation. Whereas some corporations are, are are not necessarily tied into those communities, and so through that experience, I realized that um, I needed to, to to look more broadly and how to how to sell and how to uh, create value uh for the organization I was worked for, I couldn't just de- depend on my engineering know-how and and re-engineer something because that that's not how they that's not what the driving factor was. It was tr- their driving factor of that with my customer was trying to make sure that their customer uh, was was happy and 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 and, uh, and that that really shaped who I am today of trying to look at things from a different perspective.
0: really interesting um, on that side of things. And then what I mentioned, but you said i well, I said, there's also a big pipeline of people that want this whole field of providing an impact. Are you seeing that more in younger generations, old generation or all over the place? I think it's all over the place. Uh, you know, I look at,
1: um, a lot of people over the the past kind of two, two and a half years through as a result of COVID and all the social issues, uh, across the, across the world. Uh, people are trying to do something, make a difference. I think also I would say I do see a shift in people's buying habits. Uh, and I say that, like, my my kids uh, and I have three girls, um, they kind of got the, 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 the stuff, right? When I we was growing up, we, we wanted video games. We wanted skateboards. We wanted bikes. Uh, my kids are a little bit more privileged. They, they, they really just want an iPhone, right? They really just want a phone. Like, a phone is the main thing kids right and so um I feel like the next generation of folks are going to be a little bit less uh materialistic uh they don't they don't need the house they don't need the big car like they've got they they've been able to experience some of that early on and early on in their lives and honestly from a technology standpoint there ain't nothing else to buy and I go to of a joke about it, I go to Best Buy and I have nothing to buy uh because there's nothing I want in there uh but I, I think about it from even as the younger generation. people are running out of stuff. And so people are just coming up with all these crazy ideas of, of of what what's the next thing to buy. Uh and I think we're running out of ideas. And so now people are turning to, well, how can I make an impact? Right. Impact is becoming the thing to buy as opposed to a product or a thing. I mean, I looked the other day and and my, my, my girls like these these uh, Nike dunks, these shoes. And she was, I mean, she was selling for outrageous amounts of money. I'm like, there's no way this shoe was worth $300. There's no way. But people are buying because they're running out of stuff to buy. Uh, but I, I fully believe that it's not just a generational thing. I think it's, it's society as a whole. People running out of stuff to buy. And so now they're trying to buy. Where can I make an impact? Where can I feel like I'm actually making contributions?
0: And that's why I think I called it a little bit of a hole that people are trying to fill because um, I think one of the biggest human needs we have is is this feeling of significance, and this feeling that we matter. And I think you're 100% right. Is in the past people maybe got significance in the form of buying something, in the form of wanting certain things, and now we're realizing, hey, it turns out these external material things won't fill that hole. So where else can I get significance from? And uh you know monks specifically believe that in service is where you ultimately get significance from which is uh kind of what you're speaking to is you know how do i make an impact how do i serve and apparently uh service is is one of the greatest forms of of finding significance and meeting that human need so makes sense that people are whether consciously or subconsciously shifting that direction
1: yeah i mean i even look at silly stuff like pizza uh, growing up, I remember in in, in grade school, I used to just get really excited because my parents were gonna buy pizza that day, and pizza was a big thing. Uh, and so I, uh, was a couple weeks ago, I had a chance to, to visit my my youngest daughter's elementary school uh, and talk to some of the kids. Pizza is like it's 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 nothing now. Like pizza is five dollars. It's it's just it's it's, it's relatively it's insignificant. Because people, kids have eaten so much pizza, like it's not a big deal anymore. It used to be such a great thing to go to get Pizza Hut. And so I like, was just just noticing these shifts in, in people's attitudes, because things that were so valuable or so, you know, um, that, that made people feel good, like going to McDonald's, uh, does not hold anywhere near the significance it does today.
0: Yeah. Very interesting points. And speaking of all this food, uh is making me think that today is Friday that we're recording and today's our family pizza night. So <laughs> So uh pizza still plays an active role in in our family Fridays. So is it I don't
1: know, maybe maybe it's, is it what kind of pizza? I mean for
0: me kind we kind of we, we make homemade pizzas. So we get the flatbread and we do the, you know, we put the olives and the mushrooms and all that stuff in the Feta and, yeah. Well, that's an experience.
1: That is, is. That's not the same. That's the experience. Like, I agree. Like, that's that's cool stuff. My kids, my kids love to make pizza. But to go buy pizza, you know, it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, I appreciate your time today. Um, anything else you want to add for our listeners today or? No, just thanks for the opportunity. Thanks to Wharton. Uh, it
1: was a great program, great experience. Met a lot of great people. It really, truly inspired me. To, uh, to do something, right? Uh, you know, I've got all this great education uh, and I said, you know, it's, it's time to actually go out there and, uh, and put up a shut up. It, let's do something, uh, you only live once and uh, let's make some impact on the world. And that's what Wharton you know.
0: Yeah, and if people wanna do more on the ESG space, they can uh, reach out to you, I'm assuming, and whether it's by LinkedIn or the Wharton community should have your WhatsApp information as well.
1: Absolutely, just go to www.navigating.com dash gray that's you know, g-r-e-y it's spelled specific kind of the the, the european version uh navigating dash gray.com uh we're open to uh new customers and trying to help people identify areas where they can create economic value within their sustainability and social impact ecosystem we look at it from an ecosystem perspective yeah
0: love it well thanks again appreciate it all right have a good one out
1: too bye